Welcome to the Keelhauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we have a lot to talk about. It is season eight. We are in the midst of all of the PvP goodness and badness that has been going on with this update. Uh, the battle for Sea of Thieves is is right around the corner um as if you haven't jumped in already we're going to be breaking down a lot of what's going on with it uh some thoughts on it some changes that i think could really benefit uh making this uh, uh update even better than it already is and we did find out that if you're sick of the pvp you're already done with it you didn't want to engage with it to begin with we found out that there is a new trailer that is going live called the rogues legacy and that's actually premiering on the fifth so we're going to be diving into some thoughts about that and why we're going to be getting that so soon and maybe what it actually goes into but there's a lot to cover so before i get into anything i have to thank the patrons if you want to become a patron and support this content, head over to patreon.com forward slash keelhauled podcast uh, to sign up for whatever tier you'd like. And if you support, I appreciate it. The people that are called out now, they're all part of the captains or uh, part of the, the crow's nest here. Um, I appreciate the sailors that I have as well, too. But I do want to recognize the folks that are supporting, especially during this time of year. So thank you to People's Republic, Elecute, Balls, Bam Bam Bagel, Captain Hasco, Captain Hayes, Chateau Neuf, Zombie Killer, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Static Mir, Davram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Fergatron, Jabaro 5, Carl Embo, Kazia the Rogue, Lumpy SRQ, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mike 29, Murphy Lives, Mutinous Max, Raja the Brave, Registella, Replicated Flame, Rustbell Kid, Norwegian, Skamelt 666, Sudesh, Captain Dasm, That Tilted Guy, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Super Pack, Music Me, The Lore Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Hager Owl, Ghost Boy 20, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Ruski Doo, Skinny Matt, Thor Von Blitz, Windsor Chris, and Zam. Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. I hope you are all having a fantastic uh, holiday season so far. Make sure you're taking care of yourself before you take care of me. Thanks. I'll see you guys later. So like I mentioned in the preamble, uh, this is season eight. It is the battle for Sea of Thieves. It's going strong. A lot of people are kind of flip flopping between the different uh, factions, depending on the wait time. And the Hourglass of Fate is probably one of the coolest things that I've seen added to the game. Um, I think that this on-demand PvP content is actually probably some of the best content that rare has brought to the game they've thought a lot about it and i wanted to break down kind of what you should anticipate if you're coming into this fresh you haven't heard anything about it and you want to get a good breakdown so essentially you're going to be able to opt into pvp if you want to do so there's going to be an hourglass of fate on your table by choosing that hourglass you'll be able to side with a faction whether it be the reaper's bones or the guardians of uh, uh, athena's fortune um, once you go into that you are then in defense mode you can go do whatever you want doesn't matter what you go do uh, and you will be waiting for someone to spawn on you you can then opt-in if you want to actually dive in uh, using the war map to be able to go and dive down and search for someone of the opposite faction as well too. Um, 
overall, I would say that this system works pretty well. Uh, there is a matchmaking system involved with this. The matchmaking is a very interesting one because it's not exactly, I think, the kind of matchmaking system that a lot of people expect, whereas it is not a skill-based matchmaking system, but it is a skill-based, it is a, it is kind of a skill-based system because it's based off of win streaks uh, as well as wins in general. Um, and I wanted to kind of take a quote out that explains explains a little bit about it because I, I think that the devs have done a pretty good job of actually saying like what it is and what to expect going into it because most skill-based systems um, don't actually kind of, they're more based on how you do and you get uh, your own kind of invisible MMR or matchmaking, matchmaking ranking and that then gets put up against different buckets of uh, players that are around your skill shot. Um, but this system is it's kind of based on an elo system so the devs have kind of explained this and i'll, I'll do this as a quote uh we do have skill-based matchmaking it's based on a variant of the elo system we take into account the win slash loss ratio of the crew combined not any sessions streak and this informs who you're matched against when you opt into a battle. However, if there aren't any perfect matches waiting for your crew when you opt into your next battle, then we'll broaden the net of players you could play over or play with over time to ensure you're always finding a map or a match. Excuse me. So the idea behind this is that they have loose rules and this is something that they've already done in the past when it comes to playing with controllers um if you're playing on xbox and you and you opt into xbox only gameplay with controllers then for the most part you will be paired with other xbox only players um that is a guideline it's not a hard rule if there are no xbox players to fill a server then it will toss you into a mixed server but most of the time most people generally are able to find a match uh, with the with or be able to get into a server for Xbox servers and much like with this system the battle for the sea of thieves you will most likely find a match um, we've been seeing people that have upwards of 20 to 30 minute wait times for uh, this when they do dive down they they're in the actual uh, tunnel kind of waiting and it's it's a long wait it's kind of hard to know and from what I've been told or from what I've been able to see online some of the devs are saying that um, if something goes wrong in the matchmaking system or the matching aspect of it, then you can get a hang up and that will delay it and it will have to kind of reset the matchmaking as a result. So if you're in there for a couple minutes, something goes wrong with the ship that is say like they just logged out for whatever reason, or they just, you know, something happens, um, there's a hitch that will cause you to be delayed in going into your next battle. Um, subsequently, I found out that thanks to the streamers, they kind of know that if you win a battle, so you dive, you come back up, you're fighting someone and you win that fight, it'll be 20 minutes before the next fight unless you dive down. So if you say decide that you were going to uh, attack and you go down uh, when you come back up after that, then you should have some time to be able to resupply and decide what you want to do if you want to go sell and turn in your hourglass. Um I think this system is doing really well. I think it's doing what it needs to be doing. I'm very curious to kind of find out how this MMR system uh, will be 
beyond just the first week because right now i think a lever i think a lot of people are kind of leaning on the uh, the side that the system is not working and how could it it doesn't have information to be able to really know what your crew-based matchmaking ranking is going to be it's still like figuring out everyone's ranking because everyone's playing right now there's getting a lot of losses there's getting a lot of wins and there aren't there for the most part there probably isn't enough data to be able to determine who's going to be fit around them plus you also have to take into account are people that are your skill level going to be playing on the same uh server or not on the same server sorry at the same time that you're going to be playing as well as on the opposing faction right so you have to take in a, a few different things one your matchmaking rating ranking to the player pool of people that are playing the opposite faction of you and three people that are either going to be diving or going uh or, or defending and whether or not you're going to be diving and or defending right so it, it just depends on a lot of those factors coming together which is why when they put out this uh this this message about how their skill-based system works it's going to be a guideline it's going to be something that says we will try to match you as best as possible when you actually get going if we can't find someone instead of you being stuck forever we will pop you out uh in, in an area where you're going to be getting into a fight with someone who maybe higher or lower in the skill-based matchmaking, but it was someone that you could at least fight. And that's kind of on par with Sea of Thieves, if you think about it, because a lot of people are still really kind of thinking like, I should only be fighting against people my uh, my skill-based. And I think in a perfect world, or with enough time and development on this brand new system that they've, that they've cooked up for this update, uh, I think that we'll get there, right? Um, we'll have like, buckets that people will be in you know and then i always kind of lean on a lot of the, the the matchmaking systems that i'm familiar with where you have like bronze to masters so you have bronze silver gold platinum diamond masters and those are the different brackets of people as far as skill level goes based on their win loss and their skill uh in game um and i think we'll get there i think we will eventually be playing with enough people the system will have enough data and hopefully if people continue to engage with it we'll be able to tell like how well things are going with the actual mmr system but we're barely a week in which is nuts because it feels like it's actually been in for a lot longer than that but we're a week into this update so we really haven't given this thing enough time we're not going to know what this is going to work out to be like for at least another month and a half because it usually takes about a month to two months after a big content update to really kind of feel like how people are sitting with it once the new and shiny has worn off or they've gotten accustomed to how things work right and we're, we're humans we're, we're very adaptable things so i imagine that this system will work out just fine um some of the the problems that i've been seeing online with some of the 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 things that have come as a result of this uh that i'm hoping will be somehow addressed um having alliance servers who are kicking up four ships leaving a fifth ship open and they will all be in defending and they will all alliance up and then they will all kind of jump on or bully whoever happens to like get into their server um when they when they come in and 
that's really not fair. It, it really is kind of cheating the system. Um, it's something that I really, really don't understand. Like, I, I understand why they're doing it. I understand that it's a, a tactic to use, but it's just really kind of spits in the face of, of, in my opinion, my opinion, I'm not speaking for the devs, but it spits in the face of the devs as far as what the intent was. Right. And, um, I'm hoping that there's going to be something in, in an ideal world, obviously Alliance servers, they would just play the game normally. They would play the game the way everyone else jumps on. They jump on with a few friends. They get maybe one or two boats. They go out and do their own thing. They have fun. And that's kind of like what happens. Um, the other side of this, uh, or the other aspect that I've seen kind of around the the discussion behind season eight so far is uh, folks that are using the checkpoints for shores of gold where you'll actually get um the oh, what's it called i can't think of the thing that it's actually called but it's the um oh i hate when i blink out on this the tall tale the shroud breaker there we go i got there uh but they have the shroud breaker and they're able to go into the shores of gold area where it's the shroud and the shroud breaker will keep you protected right but when they get when they're defending they can pop up in an area where there's just basically no place to go you spawn in the shroud and or people are kind of hanging out around the shroud and because they're abusing the tall tail checkpoint um they're able to they're basically able to try and sink a ship without actually having to engage it by forcing it into the red sea where if someone does not have a, a checkpoint for the shores of gold they have no recourse because they're in the shroud and it is just as much of a shroud in, you know, the Sea of Thieves as far as the outer area where you shouldn't be able to, to go into as the, as, as just like the actual shores of gold tall tail stuff. So it's, it's, it's a real shame um, that people are looking for ways to abuse this instead of what I think should be the goal of everyone where with PVP, I think a lot of people have been taking a look at themselves and really kind of coming to terms with the fact that we're a, we're either rusty or we're just not as good as we thought we were. Um, and, and that's always going to be the case. There are very, very few people who are undefeated in PvP when it comes to Sea of Thieves. For the most part, everyone sinks. And with the battle for Sea of Thieves, I think the playing ground has been evened up a lot as far as like emergent threats because at least with arena one of the main things was um a lot of people focused on either locking down a boat and just killing the people on there repeatedly or they would sink them and then immediately go and try and sink the new ship before they had a chance to really get going in this version of of pvp in in, in arena you really can do whatever you want. I've seen some fantastic plays out there. I've seen some fantastic ideas like people who are on defending. Uh, they will bait in players uh, with defending and they will set up kegs out in the water so that it's a minefield. Thor von Blitz and, and Dr. Bullhammer were out there laying out a minefield for incoming ships that were planning on attacking them while they did stuff. And it's fun because you have more tools at your disposal you know you have cursed cannonballs you have kegs you got mega kegs you have bubble sticks you have ashen wind skulls you have a, a plethora of supplies however much supplies you want much better meat you know it's not just coconuts and it really does kind of um start to kind of open up the book 
on what's available to you. You know, how many tools are you using in this version of Arena? And I really like that. I think it's really, really great. Um, I think Rare saw the writing on the wall and realized that cursed cannonballs were probably going to be a little too powerful. So with this update, they actually reduced the cursed cannonball uh, availability. So they're a lot more scarce on island barrels and washed up crates and rowboats. Um, cannonball crates of the damned now only award a single wraith ball due to the immense power that they have and the effects of uh the effect duration of green cursed cannonballs that affect players has now been shortened across the board um, players are now limited to holding only five cursed cannonballs at any given time as well too down from 10. i really like that um but i think we can take this and we can actually go a step further i think one of the things that was uh, really noticeable when I was playing and fighting other crews was just how powerful uh, blunder bombs are currently in their 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 form. Um, I think that they're very easy to get a hold of, and I think that they can really impact fights, especially if you are fighting on a galleon. Uh, most of my time has been split between sloop and galleon. I have not gotten to sail on a brig, but from everything that I've seen, brig seems to be one of the better ways to actually enjoy this version of arena which to me seemed very ironic given that the brig was never actually brought to arena properly like they've done some testing with opening it up so that multiple size crews can jump into any kind of uh, uh fight that they want you know they they allowed us to to mess around with it for a little bit but ultimately just kept it as a sloop and galleon cruise and being able to have a brig it really does showcase how versatile that ship is when it comes to speed maneuverability power and repairability um i think that there's some really good trade-offs that you have to deal with with the brig but for the most part having two cannons and at least one extra body uh really does kind of help allow one person to be able to handle a majority of the ship maneuverability while one person deals with uh either repairing or firing or the other person dealing with like firing and boarding and i think that's something that we really need to kind of take a look at with pvp as well too um so often most of us get by by doing what we think is the most important thing if i'm raising the ladder or if i'm raising the anchor because and this was an, a, a, an example that i had from this saturday if i'm raising the anchor and watching for borders I'm calling out that I need someone to defend ladders. When I'm hearing that someone is bilging and repairing down below deck, I don't know what's going on down there. And one of the things that I've, I've really kind of honed in on with this season is just how important good communication and trust is with your crew. And I think this is something that a lot of us could really kind of take a look at and say, do we trust our crew members when they say that they're calling for a bail? Are our crew members thinking enough ahead to be able to communicate with us what they need before it's too late? And I think that that's been one of the things uh, that has really kind of struck home with me because I've, I've noticed a lot of the losses that I've had are things that probably could have been remedied if I was better at communicating with my crew what I thought was the most important thing to be working on in the middle of a battle. And that's not always the case. I'm not always right when it comes to that. And as much as I want to think I am, I have to listen 
and take into consideration what my crew members are doing, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and then what my weaknesses are and what my strengths are and how we can better dish out some of the, the priorities or some of the roles that would normally come if this were like a proper ship with a captain, a helm, a quartermaster, a builder, a cannoneer, a boarder, having people that are well-rounded, kind of how the original inception of arena was, where you had to go out and have people that were good at digging. You had to have people that were good at fighting off other people. You had to have people that were good at sailing to be able to get around islands and be able to have uh, good, good ways to kind of navigate other ships in the area as well too, and not just kind of lay dormant or, or be a sitting duck, if you will. And having stuff like that on a crew that you sail with on a regular basis isn't too hard, but I don't know that that's going to be the case for a lot of people. So I'm very curious, like how, how come a lot of people have more fun on some of the smaller size ships versus like the galleon, which seems to be the general consensus for me. And I think it really does come down to the number of people and the number of roles. The galleon has a ton of space and a lot, only four people compared to a brig, which has two decks and the top deck is a majority of where you're going to be spending your time and only three people to be able to handle all the stuff that has to go on with there, right? You don't have two decks to traverse. You only have the one really to go down below if you need to do anything. So I'm wondering if galleon crew is actually the hard mode compared to all of the other uh, ship combination of crew types, right? So I'm very curious to hear how people feel about this. What's been your experience? Are you sailing in certain size ships? What's your favorite one so far? And what's the one that you've had the most success with? And is that because of the person that you're playing with or yourself alone as far as like on a solo sloop? Or do you think it's because of the type of ship that you're playing in? I'm very curious to hear what you all think about that. Um, Some of the other things that actually came in with this, and uh, actually, I think I'll take a quick break. We'll pause here. I'll come back and we'll jump into some of the rest of the notes. Ahoy there, pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any to VIP books or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer, you'd like to save money on games. It's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and i continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you with that pirates let's get back to the show all right so some of the things that i wanted to dive into with the rest of the notes um kind of taking a step away from the actual pvp side of of what's been going on because i i think i'll talk about that in a little bit here but uh there's there's been a nice little emissary warning this was something that kind of sparked up on twitter uh with a discussion that was going on around with some of the the folks on the community talking to some of the devs 
And as a result, uh, they ended up putting in a nice kind of big notification every time you sign up for a trading company. And it doesn't matter which trading company it is, especially if it's a Reapers. So crews representing a trading company as an emissary will now be shown a notification to remind them that while more rewards can be earned by doing so, they should also expect to become a valuable target for other crews. Hopefully people are reading this. Uh, it's up on the screen for long enough, so I imagine that the, it, there's not too much to actually have to read on this. Um, but hopefully people are taking that to heart. Because I think one of the main issues that we had prior to this season, uh, in Season 7, was that a lot of folks were running around trying to do stuff as an emissary and getting upset because they were being targeted by other crews, whether they were uh, Reapers or not. And... That has always been part of the game. That has always been part of the game as far as people being able to do whatever they want. What you want to do in Sea of Thieves does not always uh, matter to other crews. Other crews may want to be doing what they want to do. And if they want to fight you, there's nothing that's going to stop them other than yourself from being able from them being able to do that, right? So I'm glad that they put up the warning. I think it's nice. Hopefully people are heeding it, but with a season dedicated to PvP, I think that that's I think that's a little more understood right now, especially given how much extra gold you can get just for running an emissary as uh, as part of the hourglass defending and and uh, aggressiveness like the diving the war war map and stuff. I think that there's a lot of people that are learning just how much gold you can actually make off of this. If you're able to either defend treasure or if you're able to uh, successfully invade another crew. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the actual hourglass, the, the treasure gate that they have. Because uh, I, I feel like there's something that's going on with this treasure grade uh, that is, it really doesn't explain what's going on. Now, if you were to read the actual patch notes, this is what it would say. Pirates who have joined a faction can still earn allegiance without hunting opposing crews, though they must be prepared to defend their horde. After joining the Battle for Sea of Thieves, the, most, uh, the more treasure is amassed and kept safe aboard, the higher the ship's treasure grade. Crews who defeat attacking faction crews while defending their treasure will earn more allegiance for each ship sunk. So, we... Um, we did this. Uh, we, we we threw up the uh, Athena emissary flag and we joined up for the Battle of the Sea of Thieves and we were defending. We went and did a Veil Voyage and completed the Veil Voyage and then we went and cleaned out a sea fort. And after that, we went and got to grade five for our, our treasure grade, right? And it's a little concerning because on one part, yes, we want to defend our loot. We want to be able to get that allegiance level for being able to defend against it. On the same side, we also don't want to hold on to that loot too long because to be perfectly honest, part of it is losing it, but the other part of it is trusting that there's not going to be something that really kind of uh, does us dirty and and causes us to lose it like we have no clue like if we go to turn in afterwards if the servers are going to be stable enough to be able to reg recognize it we don't know if as soon as we get um uh invaded whether or not we're going to run into something where there's uh someone who disconnects for some reason or their game crashes and we're we're left at an unfair advantage and we lose all of it because of something outside of our 
control, right? So things like that are always kind of nagging at the back of my mind. And I, and I don't like to give other crews treasure. I'd rather lose treasure than give it to someone else. Um, and I would much rather turn it in than have to lose it. So after we had gone and done an entire Veil mission, plus a sea fort, we were kind of wondering what we were supposed to do because we hadn't been invaded yet. And we decided that we were going to go turn it in. So we went and we actually turned it all into one of the um, sovereigns. Uh, I think it was over at Ancient Spire Outpost. And we decided to grab our emissary voyage thinking, okay, We'll go do the emissary voyage and or voyages, I should say, and uh, we'll get more treasure to throw on our ship to defend. So that way we're kind of cycling because after grade five, there's not really any incentive to stack more loot. You're just kind of stacking it for no reason. But here's the weird thing. So we went and we turned in everything, right? We, we literally turned in as much of the treasure as was on our ship when we got it. By the time we got back to Ancient Spire before we grabbed our Athena emissary voyages. But when we did that, our treasure grade went from five down to four. And I can't understand why. Because as I understand it, your treasure grade will only amass for the amount of treasure that you have aboard your ship. So feasibly, we should have been down to grade zero because we didn't actually have any treasure on board. So I'm, I'm always kind of I'm always unclear. Is is this working as intended? Was this a bug? Or is there something that I'm not understanding? Because the patch notes tell me one thing, and I expect that that is the intended way that the system works. But I don't know. Maybe this is something that you guys have seen around. If someone can kind of let me know if this is like a, a, a symptom that they've seen while sailing around as well, or if this is something that was just a one-off, no one else has actually witnessed it, and it was just kind of a weird thing, or if this is actually the way it's supposed to work. Because I've turned in stuff after getting it from uh, a defending perspective, and it did drop my grade down to zero. We did have to go back out and get more treasure to be able to get our grade back up. And it was just kind of a weird situation. So I'm hoping that if that is, say, like a, a symptom of a problem that could get ironed out in the future, that we hear about it so that way... There's a little clearer understanding of what the intended expectation is when you do something like that. When you do get it up to grade five and then you sell it, like, is there a residual that will stick around after you sell everything because you've hit grade five or, you know, because nothing like that has actually been stated. So very curious about that. But after we did that, I would say that we actually had a pretty good time because right about that time, we saw that there were a couple sloops um there was one that was sailing down to uh plunder outpost and we figured ah it's a reaper let's go attack that reaper sloop as a galleon we felt confident um which is not always the smart thing to do by the way and as we went down there we noticed that another ship had actually spawned up off to our uh port which was you know maybe like a half square away over between like plunder plunder outpost and uh I would say Thieves Haven. And we thought, oh, this is a battle. They just spawned in on that Reaper. And that Reaper has been on our server for quite a long time. In fact, that Reaper actually had sunk another Reaper 5 way out in the shores of Plenty while we were doing other stuff. And it was funny because I think because so many people are queuing into the battle for the Sea of Thieves, there's a lot fewer people ready to just jump into a fight on a server with 
their ships, right? Like a lot of people are either waiting for someone to invade or they're diving to go invade someone else. And it doesn't, it doesn't always feel like a lot of people are willing to jump in to a ship battle with someone if they are defending. And it makes me wonder, are people actually in the defensive mode where they have uh, signed up for the hourglass? And if that's the case, are you being more reluctant when it comes to jumping into battles because you're worried about fighting one ship and then having another invade on you, which can 100% happen. You can actually have two ships that you're battling. And that's kind of what happened with this sloop, this Reaper sloop, who's actually a very good crew. And they, were, they did their GGs, I believe. Uh, I don't think they were, I don't think they were negative uh, that I can recall right now. Um, but a sloop had spawned on them and we were helping that sloop sink the Reapers. And we effectively third partied their little fight. And it felt good because obviously they were outnumbered six to two. But at the same time, I don't think that that's exactly what I think that that one crew wanted. You know, I think if they had their druthers, they would have preferred to have had a one-on-one -on -one with another crew of their size because they were good enough to be able to take out another Reaper five. But going up against two grade five Athenas, one in a galleon, one in a sloop in the middle of a storm, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to, to, to lose. And they lost and they lost a lot. And I kind of feel for them because I think at the end of the day, they got the short end of the stick. And that's kind of what Sea of Thieves used to be, but mostly around world events. And we've kind of moved away from that now. Now it's on-demand PvP, which is very nice. It's a very good system, gives players what they want. But if you opt into the Hourglass to be able to get the new content, to be able to go see the new content, um, it kind of takes away some of that mystery, some of that kind of spontaneity that comes with Sea of Thieves. And I was talking with a buddy of mine about this, and he's he's honestly really bummed out about the new system. And the reason for it was that he felt like there was nothing, there was no, there was no wiggle room to have interesting interactions with other crews anymore. So many people are either engaging with the hourglass in a defensive or a, uh, an offensive mode, or some people want nothing to do with it, at which point you can really kind of pick those people out that you don't really have those interesting interactions. Um, it's mostly shoot first, loot later, and or, or you know, get kicked off the server. So I'm very curious to hear how folks who really loved kind of the wordplay of Sea of Thieves, being able to talk their way into situations or out of situations, um, and see what that's like for them, being able to get a gauge on uh, how situations will will play out based on what they can do to either tweak or or, or manipulate other people and and how they are you know it's, it's kind of the essence the essence of having that that tedious kind or not tedious but um oh, i can't think of the word the, the right word for it but that that very loose alliance with other ships right like you're alliancing with another ship but we, we don't really know what their intentions are. So for the most part, we're going to assume that they are going to attack us. But for right now, they're going to be alliance. And that was kind of the thing that he, uh, that he was telling me. He was kind of lamenting some of the, the newness uh, of Sea of Thieves. He also talked a lot about how um, a lot of the Sea of Thieves world feels very stale. Uh, he's also very ready for like a Sea of Thieves too. So um, he and he recognizes like his his desires are not something that will immediately manifest or potentially manifest at all 
with the game's development, but it was it was an interesting conversation to have with them regarding how he felt about what Sea of Thieves was at the beginning of the, the at the beginning of the game when everyone thought that there was no content. And and I say that hyperbolically, I understand a lot of people felt differently, uh, myself included. But there was always ships on the server and you you could always kind of find them and you had interesting interactions with them and the servers were able to support six galleons uh on a server and they can still support a lot of galleons but the likelihood of you running into that nowadays is far fewer and i wonder if that's because of the brig or if that's because of the the game or just random happenstance like how how things roll on a server as far as how many crews and stuff get on there but it was a very interesting discussion i've been having a lot of interesting discussions like lately with a lot of people because i do feel like season eight is a success i think it's a fantastic system i think it gives pvp crews exactly what they want and i think i think because everyone right now is trying to engage with it heavy because it's everyone you're getting both the the hardcore pve people and the hardcore pvp people and everyone wants the new cosmetics right everyone wants a new hat Everyone wants to go down into uh, the Pirate Legend Tavern or the, the Reaper's Hideout Tavern or, or uh, the Lair, if you will, and see what it's like. And because of that, the amount of people that are jumping in to engage with this content is far more vast as far as play style than what you would expect if people were just going to Arena on a regular basis back when it was just Arena. So I'm also really curious to find out what this system is going to look like, how the system is going to act when everyone is kind of over the newness of it as well, too. You know, after we get that month, month and a half, everyone's done what they wanted to do. Everyone's gotten what they needed to see. And what will this system look like in the future? Will we continue to have people engaging with it in a meaningful way? Will it still be the best way to earn gold? Um, will the queue times go up? And if so, by how much and how will that be represented in game? Are there going to be additional things brought to the game that will re, uh, reinvigorate this system that will bring new robust cosmetics or uh, entries into being able to get stuff? for the system how good is this system going to be supported or is the team working on this right now they're done and that's it like we might get new cosmetics but they may be tied to other things and you have to do pve content for that very curious about how that's going to all kind of wash out and 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 kind of see like what's left after you've kind of sifted through all of the sand right One thing that I did want to talk about this episode uh, actually is kind of in line with what we've already been talking about. Um, but it has, it's actually a really nice article that was uh, written by Miles Dompierre, uh, who is over at Windows Central um, working with like Jess Corden and stuff. And he has uh, been playing Sea of Thieves. He's been jumping into this content and he wanted to write up an article uh, that really kind of posed an interesting question. And this was a question that I think a lot of people are kind of thinking about in the long term. And it's an old argument that we've had. But the question is, will Sea of Thieves ever fully cater for PvE fans who hate PvP? And this was a really interesting article in my mind. It, it the, the title itself got a lot of uh, people kind of 
showing the the same kind of rhetoric the polarized uh issues between pvp versus pvp or P pve uh servers and stuff and those always pop up on on the on community like twitter and stuff like everyone's always going to argue no this isn't going to happen or yes it should happen and we're, we're looking besides that because we're looking at what the game is actually doing to try and cater to both sides of it um and i wanted to read one of the quotes or one of the paragraphs from this article because i actually really resonated with it and i thought it was really good uh but the quote or the 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 paragraph goes like this frequently frustrated pirates will take to social media to air their grievances surrounding miserable pvp encounters from losing halls of treasure that took hours to amass to getting bullied by bored veteran players looking for cheap thrills anyone who's played sea of thieves has likely endured some form of griefing or unsavory confrontation these aggravating struggles have completely soured the appeal of rare's otherwise enchanting online pirate expedition for a dispirited group of players i i feel that so often online when talking to people in fact just based on uh this article when i had um retweeted it so many people engaged with it and they were all sharing their feelings and stuff like that. And and I've definitely seen like people saying like, haven't touched the game in months due to toxic PVP players would definitely go back if PVP was opt-in only and could just do PVE server or uh, a PVE only spinoff that you could play with your friends would be a lot of fun. They could build it from the ground up and make enemies take some amount of brain power to beat. And it's really interesting to kind of hear some of these thoughts because I think a lot of us tend to think of Sea of Thieves as having two sides. And this is what Miles's article really did showcase, was that there's always going to be a place for PvP and PvE in Sea of Thieves. Because a lot of times, most people will go in, they'll go hard for PvP, and then after they're done, they want a break. They want to have an easy time. They want to have a day where they're just going and doing some PvE content because we don't need to have vast amounts of anxiety or adrenaline pumping through our body for hours upon hours like the fact that streamers do this all the time for eight hours a day it, it concerns me it makes me wonder you know like are they being are they taking healthy breaks are they relaxing are they coming down from that moment are they processing what happened how they acted what they did all that stuff most of the time not a big deal but it's very interesting to think about the idea that the battle for the sea of thieves has taken a lot of the pvp players and given them an outlet and i've been curious because i haven't actually done this um for myself to see like is is it safer being on the seas when you don't interact with the hourglass if you're not interacting with the hourglass have you been having an easier time on the actual oceans like have you been running into people or people who are uh just kind of out and about going looking for people to sink or are they engaging with this actual pvp opt-in system and if that's the case have you had an easier time because i can tell you just this last weekend uh as a galleon we had finished dealing with sinking a uh sloop and after we sunk the sloop um we saw that there was a foff that had popped up or a foof 
and we went to go do the foof. And as we were working on kind of killing off some of the first initial waves, we actually got snuck up on by a brig of tuckers. And I know they're tuckers because they were super skinny and they were wearing nothing but the tucker outfit. And they tried to kind of come in on us. Um, and we ended up getting both crews. Uh, and we ended up calling it after that because I, I needed to go take a break before uh, a destiny raid. So I wanted to make sure that I got in time to, you know, eat, relax, say hi to my wife, get away from games for an hour or so, and then come back and jump into a raid. And it was really interesting just kind of thinking two things. First off, it was actually a lot of PvP that we had had on that server um, after we had initially engaged with the... Uh, with the two people, the two two crews that had been going in for the Battle of the Sea of Thieves. Um, and then we got spawned in on and lost our ship. But after that, we went after a couple smaller crews and had better success. Uh, the thing that I've noticed with the, the, the Battle for the Sea of Thieves is that I'm actually not very good against crews of equal size. I tend to struggle with what I need to do, where I need to be, how am I acting, am I communicating... Were there things that I could have done better? And I think this is something that um, streamers have the luxury of. I don't think everyone gets to be able to do this, but being able to actually like go back and watch your footage of what your battles were like and really taking stock of what did you do? Where did it go wrong? Where did you see the twist? If you can identify where the twist was from the battle, where it went from you winning to you losing, if you can identify that, and say, what were the actions that I took that prevented us from staying ahead of the game? And can I apply that to the next battle? Then you're going to have a better chance of fighting. And this was actually a, a tip that I got from one of the streamers, one of the partners um, that was streaming with Beardly today. And I apologize, I forget who it was. Uh, I think it was Drew. Yeah, I think it was Drew that I was watching. And they made a really interesting tip. And I thought this was a really unique idea because it is kind of what I do when I am dealing with an oncoming ship. But when you get into a battle, whether you're either defending and someone comes up on you or you're um, uh, attacking, the idea is, is that when you come out of the water, you raise sails and you crank the wheel to one direction so that whoever is is in front of you is potentially coming at you, right? They're potentially like dropping sails and coming after you. If you're defending, it might be a little bit different in this case. But the idea is, is that you're cranking the wheel so that you immediately have the first broadside. Because it seems like, and based on the, the streams that I've watched, that a lot of ship battles tend to come down to who gets the first shots, who gets the engagement first? And that's where the conversation around blunder bombs has really kind of come up with the community. And I think that right now, I think blunder bombs are just a little too strong. I think that they should be uh, tuned down so that they're not as easy to find, that you can't just buy them. Um, or if you can buy them, they're at a much higher cost or a, a reduced quantity. And the idea being that if I'm in a galleon and we're sailing, Four blunder bombs can do a 180 on my ship. That's rough. That's rough to deal with when four blunder bombs can completely knock off my trajectory on my galleon. A galleon is the hardest to turn, it's the slowest to turn. And the fact that well placed blunder bombs can absolutely destroy an engagement, that is on par with what I consider cursed cannonballs, like a peace ball, an anchor ball, a sail ball, something that dynamically changes 
the outcome of a fight between two ships that are immediately going at it. Now, obviously, you can recover from that kind of thing, but I think that blunder bombs should be as maybe they should be as dangerous as they are when it comes to pirate versus pirate. But when you are shooting them against other crews, I wonder if it's a little too powerful with how much the physics affect the trajectory of a ship, the angle that it's facing, right? I can understand knocking players off of cannons with blunder bombs. That's that I can understand. I can I can understand them uh, hitting the side of a ship and knocking someone off of the actual uh, hole that they're trying to repair, right? But being able to move a ship so much with blunder bombs, I feel like that we need to kind of take a look at that and really gauge how important blunder bombs need to be because right now they are they are like a hairline above chain shot for me right now and chain shot is hard to find so i think that with things like blunder bombs with things like uh cursed cannonballs chain shots those are going to be the most important tools in your arsenal and it was kind of interesting to think about how those are impacting a lot of the fights that are going on and if people that are playing on servers right now that aren't touching the hourglass, are they actually having a much safer environment to be able to go do the PvP content that they want to do? And if that's the case, then I think we're kind of getting to the question of Miles's article, which was, will Sea of Thieves ever fully cater to PvE fans who hate PvP? Now, I think the answer to that is staunchly no. And Miles... It says that based in in the article, which I would, I'm going to link in the show notes. So if you guys want to actually read this, um, you're more than welcome to. And even says that the devs have done everything they possibly can to ensure that PvP and PvE are both supported in the game as much as possible for the time being. Given that a this is Rare's first pirate game, as far as like a like a straight up just on seas all the time kind of game. B, this is their first game as a service. And C, this is the first time they've ever messed around with an MMR system. So I'm I'm not like I'm not putting judgment out on how this how the season is right now because I really do want to see where things are and I kind of want to touch on this in the next month or so, maybe like the beginning of January, kind of find out like, okay, where are we standing with Sea of Thieves in season eight? Um, but for all intents and purposes, this season, I think, is a huge win overall, especially if you are fans of PvP content. If you're fans of PvE content, there's still something to work towards as the allegiance that you can earn will get you new cosmetics, it will get you access to new areas, and as a huge lore person, I, I'm very much ready to jump in those areas, but I have to work for it. And it's a much better carrot on a stick than what the pirate legend weapons were when those first came out because if i'm being honest the arena the the um, legendary sea dog stuff and the uh the pirate legend weapons those were pretty good carrots on a stick but it wasn't worth going through the anxiety that i have have to deal with when i'm jumping into engagements so for me it was pushed off to the side i got my 50 most of that was done through letters of recommendation and i was fine with that i don't care this is a little bit different. I really love the skeleton curse. The ghost curse is pretty cool too. I really want to go check out the uh, the Reaper's Lair. I really, really want to go check out 
all the little skeleton stuff in there. Like it just looks so fantastic. And and I'm okay holding off on the Pirate Legend Tavern because as much as I want to get down in there, I I think I think the Reaper's Lair leads a lot more discovery or leads a, leads to a lot better questions as far as lore is concerned because Flameheart and the Reapers have been so much of an enigma for the most part. Whereas we kind of know what's going on with the, the the pirate legend and the tavern and all the people that are in there, but I still kind of want to know what's going on. So I'll, I'll get there eventually. But overall, I've been very positive on the overall arcing like design of season eight. I think with some of the things that we've talked about with um, how to address people abusing the checkpoints for Shores of Gold, how do we address uh, Alliance servers that are uh, bullying crews that are just trying to go in for a one-on-one? How do we address um, the, uh, the prolific nature of blunder bombs and PVP? Like, can we, can we do something about that? Um, I think those are like the top three issues that I've seen that are addressable with design that uh, Rare can really kind of take a look at in the coming weeks. Um, I know that uh, some people have kind of reached out with some of the thoughts that um, that cheaters are becoming more prolific now that PvP has been brought in. And what I do want to say is that while I appreciate everyone kind of talking to me about wanting to talk about the hackers that are in sea of thieves i really i I don't think that there are a lot of hackers actually in sea of thieves i know that that it's hard to know it's hard to really gauge um i've seen a lot of videos right now of people who are invulnerable to damage and based on what i've seen with a lot of the streamers this is a glitch that's being abused so if you do see this someone using this exploit make sure you're grabbing a clip of it make sure that you're submitting a report feature or a, re- a report to rare so that they can investigate it because if they were abusing that exploit that is a bannable offense you can get them banned so whether they're cheating or not if they're exploiting that is still bannable so make sure that any uh any evidence you can gather of this gets reported so that the people who are either abusing mechanics uh to, to become invulnerable or they're actually hacking that that actually gets addressed because rare has a zero tolerance policy for both of those hopefully this doesn't really kind of like sour the mood i i honestly i feel like um i've seen a lot of really fun stuff i've seen a lot of really good battles on a lot of the streamers right now and the way i saw it was because i was out there watching for twitch drops which if you guys if you didn't know the last two weeks we've had twitch drops the last two weeks it's kind of nuts um or i guess yeah they had the last two weeks so uh last week we had the uh rogue morning star or no the rising no oh, i hate myself for, for forgetting this all the time um but we had the morning star cosmetics which i'm gonna i'm gonna find this out i'm gonna figure out what the heck these were they were the I know it's in these patch notes one of these days. Yeah, it is the Rising Morning Star. Okay, yeah. It's the Rising Morning Star. It was the gloves, the dress, the hat, and the jacket. Um, and then over, of course, over the last like couple months, we've been getting the um Eastern Winds Sapphire set. Uh, and we're going to be, according to some of the the Twitch notes, uh, we're going to be getting more of the fro- uh, frozen horizon set as well, too, because I checked and look to see like when I had last gotten anything Frozen Horizon, I haven't. Everything I've gotten has been either Gilded Phoenix 
or uh, Eastern Sapphire or Eastern Winds Sapphire set or the Rising Morningstar stuff. So we've got Frozen Horizon set coming sometime in the next season. <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to be around the holidays because the holidays is typically a good time to kind of pair up Frozen Horizon with winter and Christmas and all that stuff. So I, I would expect sometime around then to be able to get that. Um, but we did get the Rising Morningstar stuff last week. This week, it was the speaking trumpet, the shovel, the lantern, and the bucket. I really hope folks are kind of paying attention to Twitch drops. I hope that they're paying attention to uh, community stuff. I hope that they are uh, in the Discord for Keelhauled. We do have a Twitch drop section for that as well, too. Um, it's one of those one of those things that when it goes live, it usually notifies people. People are also tagging the opt-in uh, role that you can sign up for to make sure that you are actually um, getting notified when when those go live. I tried to do a, a, a reminder today so that people didn't miss out on it. Um, but as always with a lot of Twitch drops, they're going to come back in the future. We just don't necessarily know when. But hopefully, you all have been getting those Twitch drops. And again, I. I have to recommend this because I, I enjoy it so much. If you use Chrome, there is an extension available, Automatic Twitch. Once you got it set up, it will claim channel points, it will claim drops, it will claim pretty much anything that can be claimed, it will claim it for you. And you can dial it how you want to. Like if you don't want it to do one thing or the other, then that's fine. Um, but ever since I've gotten it, I've had... 82,140 channel points claimed. I've had 60 drops claimed. I haven't had any issue with any of them. I haven't missed anything that I was trying to get. And I never had to click claim once. I never had to think about if it's been an hour, it just works. So please install that life hack. You'll thank me later. Uh, hopefully that's, that's going there. I do want to say that there's been some tooltip narration that came in for accessibility. It's great to know that uh, the devs are paying for accessibility guides to help out with this and that you can sign up for that um, over or you can share more information if you if you need to about some of the things that you'd like to see with accessibility guides. Uh, but the tooltips that appear on screen when interacting with items can now be narrated, providing improved accessibility for those with low vision. Uh, with text-to-speech narration already enabled, players can enable tooltip narration within the language settings, along with configuration options to allow players to define how much of the tooltip is narrated. And there's more information build, uh, more information on that if you head over to the accessibility guide on Sea of Thieves' website. Um, I'm trying to think if there's... There is now new hairstyles and beards. Um, there's the Forsaken Ashen's Frazzled Hair, as well as uh, Beard and uh, Singed Hair, which honestly, looking at it, most of it looks like it's all stuff that would belong on Junkrat from Overwatch 2 or Overwatch in general, Overwatch. And uh, so if you liked the, what was it, the Kegageddon, the Mayhem, the Keg Mayhem, oh, I can't remember what the name of that costume was. But it's the one that has you kind of looking like Junkrat. You got the frazzled hair with the little singes. You got the uh, keg body armor that looks like you're either, you know, playing football or some some other rugged sport. Um, and the hairstyle from that is a lot of what like these Forsaken Nation ones are. So go make sure you're jumping in over at the uh, the the different vendors on an outpost. 
check and see what you haven't bought, what you want to buy. Uh, there's some top knot stuff in there, which I am reserving comment on because I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be that person about that. If you want to have a top knot, you can have a top knot. I'm sure someone likes it. What of you like top knots? Who are you? Uh, but that's, that's it as far as the stuff that is in the game. Um, everything else is kind of in the Emporium. Uh, I was taking a look at the different cosmetics that are in the season pass. Um, spoilers, season pass almost done. One weekend, I'm at 86. Usually it takes me a month. Usually it takes me about a month to kind of work through the season pass. I think, <laughs> I think we may, maybe need to take a look at the season pass. Um, I did not expect to be burning through levels. I literally went from the the hall that the that the reapers had been stacking while defending on the saturday session i went from 63 to 88 in my season pass with the loot that they had on their on their ship like that's nuts like <laughs> i should not be getting that many levels for one turn in i should not it feels like i'm breaking it feels like i'm cheating the system honestly and one of the drawbacks is is that when i look at my pirate when i look at that season pass I cannot tell you what I got. I can't tell you what I earned. I have no semblance for what um, cosmetics I was able to pick up while while working my way through the season pass. And it's kind of a shame because I don't really get to celebrate that those cosmetics. I don't really get to celebrate those levels. I turned in a bunch of loot. By the time it all calculated, a little thing popped up from uh, my actual season. And it was like, well, you were 63. Now you're 88. Congratulations. And I'm like, what did I even get? What, what, what did I even earn? Like I keep seeing five doubloons here, thousand gold there, a hundred, uh, do a whole hundred gold coins there. Like I, I have no idea. I have no idea. So I have to go back and take a look. So I've only played a few sessions, right? But just in those few sessions, I'm almost done with the season pass, but looking through some of that stuff, I gotta say the cursed bone cosmetics that they put in this season are some of my favorite actually, um, in the sense that I think that they, they look good, but they look, they look like they are not trying to go super embellished with the cosmetics. They're very reserved. And I like it that I like when we get cosmetics that, look like they are just something anyone in Sea of Thieves could have made with their hands. It's not it's not like your typical costume that has like a bunch of glowy stuff or really elaborate dresses or anything like Pirate Legends at 45. Pirate Legends at 45, they get Flame Hearts hat. And 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 if I if anyone had asked me like how do you get Flame Hearts hat, I wouldn't have been able to tell them until I had actually researched it. Because when I hit 45, I don't remember seeing anything pop up for that. And it was kind of a bummer because it's, it's Flameheart's hat. Like who wouldn't be excited for that? But by the time you get done turning everything in, I didn't even realize I had earned the, the, the ghostly weapons. I could have been using the ghostly weapons, but because nothing is really, everything goes by so quickly, there's not really an instance for me to really kind of celebrate what I'm getting as I'm getting it. And I and I kind of wish that there was something like that because the cosmetics that are in this season pass, I think are some of the best. And the fact that the season pass actually awards 1,000 ancient coins means that if you buy the plunder pass, you're getting all of the content that is in the plunder pass for the cost of the actual plunder pass 
And you can take that ancient coin and put it towards the next season plunder pass in three months. But I just, I, I haven't even gotten a chance to really mess around with any of the content in the plunder pass because it went by so quickly. Like, did you know level 60, if you get the plunder pass, you get the Ravenwood cannons. And I don't know if you've all looked at the Ravenwood cannons, but they're beautiful. They're fantastic. They're some of the coolest looking cannons I've seen in game. But I couldn't have told you that I got that because I blew through those levels and I had no idea what I was actually getting. So I wish that there was a way that Rare could figure out how to balance the plunder pass or the season pass in general so that if I'm playing on a regular basis, we'll call it two to three nights a week, couple hours each session, maybe one longer session during the weekend. That if I'm doing that for two months, I should have no problem getting the season pass knocked out. If there's weekends that we can have like double gold, double gold and double glory, that will help make it easier to get up to that. But I would like to see if Sea of Thieves could balance the season so that when I'm actually playing, the levels feel more impactful because I'm not just blowing through 20 in one turn in. I'm blowing through five or 10. And I feel good because I had a really good haul and I went from 40 to 50. And I can go and I can take a look at that one 40 to 50 page and sit there and look and be like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I have Flameheart's hat now. I have the ghostly sword and I got the Ravenwood costume. I'm going to go grab those and play around with them for right now. But instead, I went through like 25 levels and I have no idea what was in those levels because it didn't pop up for me when I was actually getting them. So kind of a weird thing for me to dig on. But for some reason, that's just really kind of stuck a bone, struck a bone when I was looking at this. Uh, but overall, I got to say, this season really does have some of the best cosmetics. I hope you guys are paying attention to what you're actually earning, because if you're not, you're missing out on some cool stuff. Y'all should be running around with Flameheart's hat. In fact, there should be people running around with Flameheart's hat, and there should be people running around with the Pirate Lord's hat, and there should be people running around with Bell's hat, and there should be people running around with the Legendary Sea Dog hat, and y'all should meet on an island and have a little, little party about how DeMarco is still dead. All right, pirates. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is Tasha. And uh, if you guys don't know who Tasha is, uh, Tasha is one of the tavern keeps in Sea of Thieves. And you might you might think that that actually feels like a little a little familiar. Like, oh, yeah, I remember Tasha. Who's Tasha? Tasha is the tavern keep for the Unicorn Tavern on Ancient Spire Outpost. And the reason she's so important is because she is actually part of the tall tales for the Cursed Rogue, which if many of you made your way through a lot of those tall tales, you may not have. But the Cursed Rogue deals with Briggsy and the legendary storyteller. And I really love that Briggsy is someone that we have in the world because Briggsy is a fantastic character, a true, um, what's the word that people use? Machiavellian character, I think, is what I'm going for. I'm not going to research it. Don't, don't even correct me on this. I don't care. That's the word I'm going to use. It's the right word now. Uh, but Tasha has been holding on to the, the, the stories of Briggsy. She she loved Briggsy. She thought Briggsy was a fantastic person and always aspired to be, you know, the next princess of Sea of Thieves going out and, you know, uh, discovering the world the way that Briggsy did. And the reason why we bring this up is because in the upcoming trailer for Sea of Thieves, The Rogue's Legacy, 
that premieres in hours at this point as a recording, um, we are going to be addressing some of the changes that have been going on with Tasha. Tasha has changed her gloves. She's got some books she's been reading lately. And with the Rogue's Legacy, it very much seems like it is a callback to those tall tales, the tall tales with the cursed rogue who was Briggsy. Is Tasha out there searching for the history of Briggsy? Is Tasha possibly going out to try and see if she can bring back Briggsy? Briggsy, if you don't remember, her skull is residing with one of the Order of Souls members, supposedly, um, after the cursed rogue when we extracted the uh, mention or the, the information that we needed to be able to... Um, get the Shroudbreaker stone, right? Uh, and we actually fought her, took her skull and stuff. So it makes me wonder if word got back to, ta to Tasha about this and she decided to investigate it. And now she might actually be taking up the mantle of Briggsy or potentially seeking Briggsy's information or, or things from her, things that that belong to her. Maybe she wants to bring her back. Maybe she wants to become her. Very interesting questions that could be possibly coming, but we will have to wait until next week to find out what those are going to be. So trailers going up this week. We will probably see uh, the adventure. Actually, I don't know if the adventure is actually going to be going live um, this week or not. I don't know. I'm very interested to find out. So let's see. Um, Nope, just says that it's going to go live. Gosh, I was really hoping that the YouTube video would give away a little bit of information about that, but it doesn't. It says, those who seek adventure must always be wary of what they might find. The cinematic trailer for the next Sea of Thieves adventure, The Rogue's Legacy, premieres at 4 p.m. UTC on December 5th, which is 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is literally seven hours. I need to get this done and out for you guys to listen to. So... That's going to do it for this episode, everyone. Um, if you enjoyed the content, if you enjoyed the discussion, definitely let me know. There's plenty of ways to do that. You can head over to Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N to send your information, messages, thoughts, whatever you want. Um, if you want to send me an email, you can always do that as well too. C-A-P-T L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. You can also join up in the Discord too. We have an entire channel just for feedback and questions. We have an entire discussion of what's going on in the Tavern Talk. There's um, messages that you can send for the Keelhauled podcast in there as well. Or you can become a gold, uh, gold hoarder and join in on the discussion at the end of each month. Uh, I still need to put up events for the potential of us having the December one early because of the holiday and people obviously being not available for that. So I'm very curious to hear what you guys think. What do you think of Sea of Thieves season eight so far? Are you willing to stick it out for the long haul? What improvements would you like to see if you could have two things that you tell the devs uh, that you would like to have changed about season eight? What would those be? Improvements, things that you want to see taken out of the game as far as like the, the pool of tools that you can use or things that you would like to see added to the, 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 the pool of, of uh, tools that you can use. Um, what's something that you would like to see or what's a really fun interaction that you had? Like, did you get... Uh, did, oh, 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 before... I don't know if anyone's going to be listening this late into the episode. If you play the game for more than eight hours... Make sure you put all your stuff in a in a box or in, a, in the barrels and log out. Cycle cycle your log out. Close out the game. Boot it back up. Log back into your server. For whatever reason, anyone that plays eight hours, your game crashes. Not sure what that's about. Just know from the dev, from the actual streamers. They're the ones that told me. So 
Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Anyway, if you guys have feedback, definitely feel free to let me know. Otherwise, I will see you all on the Sea of Thieves. Thank you. I love you. And I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves. public service announcement from the starter set Dungeons and Dragons podcast. This is your D&D campaign. This is the starter set podcast. You know how like poison frogs don't lick each other's backs. So it's Howl's Moving Castle mm -hmm. with a face. Mm. Hey there, I'm Great Mandibles. Because <laughs> one of the party speaks abyssal. You're all going to die. <laughs> and then adventure falls into your lap. This is your D&D campaign after listening to the Starter Set Podcast. So join Sam and Ed every Friday on the Starter Set Podcast for prime Dungeons & Dragons content. Any questions? Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons and Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast.